Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm just going to look at a few verses here, chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. Uh, before we get into it, though, I just want to ask you something to think about as we're talking about this. Why do y'all come to church? Now, you may say, well, I'm coming to worship and all that sort of thing. I understand that, but you know, a lot of people get by doing that just once a, once a week. Sometimes they do that once a month. Uh, a few people do it a couple times a year. And they feel like they've checked the box and they're done. So why y'all come so much? What do you think you're getting out of this? And it's a sort of a rhetorical question, but you, I think you need to ask yourself that question. And I know, especially y'all dragging here on a Wednesday night, I know how that feels. I do. You have been busy all week. You have had a hard day. If you have work that you do outside, you have been hot all day long. And you're ready, Matt's back there, amen, and everything I'm saying. And you are ready to just sit down, maybe eat a bite, and just pass out. That's probably where, so you say, well, why in the world am I torturing myself to sit in a church service three times a week? And maybe, maybe that's not what you're thinking about. Maybe some of y'all say, well, I go to church, so that's good enough. So why in the world should I even bother thinking about all this stuff outside of church? I got enough on my plate. I don't need to be thinking about Jesus and the gospel. Or some people, they say, well, you know, I, God knows I love him, so I'm not going to really worry about picking up my Bible and reading it. And, and I'm asking you to think about those things because sometimes we can we can just say, well, why in the world do I just need to keep on learning? I've learned the basics. Jesus died for me. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. All is good, right? Th there's more to it. And, and you, you hear me talking about from this pulpit, I want to I ask you to, to keep learning. To, I try to go to different parts of the Bible in my preaching to point out different things that the Bible has to say. Again, it's not just for learning's sake. I'm not just talking about going and learning. I mean, we can always go to school, I guess, and pick up a book or something, but I'm talking about learning about Christ, learning, growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why does that matter? Why is that important? Well, the reason I'm asking you to think about those questions is because here we have Peter, who some would say that what I'm about to read here in these few verses is his farewell address. He kind of has the end in sight. He talks about in this passage, you'll see where he says, I'm going to take this tent of this body, this, this, uh, this um, what does it have the word? This tabernacle is the word he uses there. This tabernacle. And I'm going to fold this tabernacle up and put it away because Jesus is calling me home. He's, he's at the end of, his, uh, end of his life here, and he's talking to people that he's preaching to them, and he's been preaching to them, and he's essentially saying his farewell address. And he says here in verse 12, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. He says, I'm not going to stop. He says, I have, I've, I've been with you all this time. I've, I'm running my race. It looks like, you'll see in a minute, it looks like I'm about to come to the end of this thing. But I'm not going to stop. I'm going to never be negligent. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. He says, I'm not going to let you forget some stuff. Well, what are these things? 
That little phrase, these things, is an interesting phrase in this, in this passage. In fact, not just in these verses that I'm reading, but really chapter 1. If you were to go all the way back to chapter 1 and verse 4, would you all do that with me? Just flip over chapter 1 and verse 4. He says, whereby, and he's talking about the fact that we have been, by his divine power in verse 3, he says, by that power and by what, what we've been called to and, and the knowledge of Jesus, all that stuff in verse 3, he says, whereby are we given, are given unto us exceeding pres- great and precious promises that by these, and it's the same phrase, these things and these, exactly the same phrase here, he says that by these, what is he saying? by these great and precious promises. So he's saying first, I'm not going to let you forget about the great and precious promises. Go to verse 8. He says in verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound. Well, what are those things? It's a whole long list. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. It's the verses just prior to this that he talks about that. He says all of these things, these are the, the fruit that you're going to have in your life. In fact, he says in verse 9 that if you lack these things, you're blind, you can't see afar off. But if you have these things, verse 8, he says you're going to be fruitful, you're going to be able to be productive, you're going to be reminded of how good God is. He says in verse 10, he says, give diligence that you make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, do you see that again? These things. He says, what is it? The things that show that you're calling an election, sure. The stuff that says you're a Christian. He says, if you'll do that stuff, that's what I want to remind you of. I want you to be reminded of the fact that you're saved, that you're a Christian. And he repeats that phrase in verse 12 and verse 15, but he's, he's saying, I don't want you to ever forget these things. What is he talking about? He wants to make sure you know who Jesus is. He wants you to make sure you know what Jesus did for you. He wants you to know who you are because of Jesus. That's what he is trying to let you know in, in so many words. Now, he's not telling them this because, look at, because they don't know about it. Look in verse 12. He says, I'm not going to be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them. Can I, can I just tell you all right now, every time I stand to preach, I know that there are many of you that know more about the Bible than I do. So I'm not standing here telling you because I am this all-great and powerful, knowledgeable one. I'm telling you these things not because you know them, or don't know them, excuse me, not because you don't know them. You might well know them. There's a reason I'm telling you, and I'm going I'm to just go ahead and tell you, it's the same reason that Peter is telling you these things. He's saying, I'm not telling you these things because you don't know them, because you already do know them. And he says, he says, though you know them and be established in the present truth. He says, I'm not telling you these things because you're not affected by them. I know, especially on a Wednesday night, for the most part, again, I don't know your hearts, but I know at least your testimony is one that says, I believe in the scriptures. I believe in Jesus. So I'm not telling you something you don't already know and that you're not already trying at least to let it affect your life. Are y'all with me on that? So I'm not, at least I hope I'm not telling you something you don't know. In fact, if you don't know, let me tell you, Jesus loves you. He saved you. But again, I think you already know that. So you say, well, Matthew, why in the world are you bothering to tell me? Tell me something new. Well, Peter says, no, no, I'm not going to be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. He says, I'm going to tell you these things these great and precious promises. 
Why? Because they're precious. Best way I can describe this to you, and forgive me, uh, Matt Scott and I, we were texting I, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was this past week, I've lost track of time. We were texting about a sermon that we, that we were talking about, and in that text, a thought came to me, we were talking back and forth, and a thought came to me about this idea of your salvation. And this is maybe a bad illustration, but I've been thinking about it, it helped me, so maybe it'll help you. I don't know if you've ever gotten a new car, whether it was brand new or just new to you, either way, but you got a new car, and it's one you liked, one you really liked. I remember a few years ago, it's been a long, about a decade ago now, man, I'm getting old, um, but I bought a, uh, an F-150, my favorite, favorite vehicle. Cost me way too much money, took way too much in gas, I spent way too much money on it, and let me tell you, I didn't hold on to it for very long, because I, I have less money than I have since. Is that right? Something like that. I made that, that tells you how good I am. But anyway, I, I love that vehicle. But when I got that thing, I remember every now and again, when, right first few months after I bought it, I remember looking outside and there's a sort of, hmm, I like that. Hmm, that looks good. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? Am I, just, am I, am I the only, <laughs> only one that feels like that? It just sort of, just, I don't know, maybe that's my sinful nature there. But, but you just kind of look out there and you're like, oh, that looks good. Maybe you want to wash it a little extra because it just looks good. And you, every now and again, it's no, nobody's going to steal it from you. You just look out there because you just want to look at it one more time. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's something that's precious to you. Now, <laughs> forgive me for looking at a truck and calling it precious, but it was precious to me at the time. That's the same idea that he's talking about here, that you have this great and precious promise. It's valuable. You love it. You want to examine it from every angle you want to think about it because it's so precious he says in verse 4 that you are a partaker of the divine nature divine nature it's one thing like i am my daddy is tj tilly so i'm a partaker of tj tilly's nature so that may not impress y'all much and it shouldn't because he's tj tilly i love my my daddy but he's tj tilly any way you look at it so that doesn't mean much. But he's saying, as a Christian, I get to participate in the divine. I get to have in me the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in me. I get to be partaking of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I get to call God my Father. I get to partake in that nature. He's saying, that's kind of a big deal. He says in verse 11, which is later on here in this passage, he says that you get to be, let me just read that there. He says that you get to be ministered. One day you're going to be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. You're going to be invited in an abundant, almost lavish way into the kingdom of God. Did you know that's going to happen one day? Because of what Jesus did, you're actually going to not just get to go to heaven. I think sometimes we just say, well, I get to go to heaven. No, 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 no. You're going to get to have a grand entrance into the kingdom of God because it's not you that's coming in. You're coming in covered by Jesus Christ. You're literally going to become escorted in by a, by a VIP. And it's not you, sorry. The VIP is not you. The VIP is Jesus Christ because it's his kingdom. You get to be escorted in. So you're going to have a grand interest. This is what we get to have look forward to. 
In verse 16, which we won't talk about tonight, but it does, he does talk about the fact that him, G, or Peter, and some other disciples were eyewitnesses, which we know that he was an eyewitness to the Mount of Transfiguration, which is probably what he was talking about here. But he says, we are eyewitnesses to his, of his majesty. I will never do this justice, but you need to understand that your Savior, Jesus Christ, in his person, in his work, in his attitude towards you, in his way of approaching everything. He's not just good, he is good. He's not just great, he is great. And he's not just wonderful, he is wonderful. But he is absolutely beautiful, he is absolutely majestic, he is above anything you can imagine. And you say, well, I can't even imagine it. Well, I'd like you to just stop and think about it a little bit. This is what Peter is saying. I don't want, you know about it already. You already heard of it. It's not news. But it's like that car. You already own it. You know because you're getting the bill every month for the, the car payment. You know it's yours. You know it's yours. But man, you sure do like to look at it. The same thing is with Jesus. Do we never need to stop learning? Well, I guess there's a point where you could say, well, I know enough, whatever that means. But you have to understand that meditating on what you have in Christ and who you are because of Jesus, it is a wonderful thought that you get to have. And Peter's saying, I'm not going to stop reminding of you of it because the knowledge of Jesus Christ is precious. And you need to be reminded of that precious. I don't know how y'all are, but I have enough ugly thoughts in this world that take up my mind. Whether it's something I'm mad about something let me just vent to y'all a second. My bank decided to be bought or sell or whatever they decided to do, and they kicked me out of the door and gave me to another bank. And all my bills have been all messed up and mixed up, and I've been on hold. I told them, I said, my, my hourly rate's $100 an hour, and I've already put five or six hours in on this. Who do I send the bill to? So, I mean, that's, kind of, that's the kind of ugly thoughts that I'm having. I'm just telling you that's the kind of ugly thoughts I'm having. There's enough of that stuff in this world, isn't there? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just take your mind as we have the opportunity to with Jesus and put it on something that's beautiful and precious and valuable and eternal? You have that. He's done that for you. And it's not, it's not just an idea, like if you ever looked at a painting, and if you, maybe, maybe you thought that was pretty. It's a pretty painting. I like to look at it. It's interesting. But it doesn't mean anything to you. It's not about you. It's not for you. Jesus is your possession, your inheritance. He has been given to you. You have him. You have his divine nature. So when you look at Christ, you're not looking at something that happened to somebody else. It's happened to you. And you get this precious thing. He says, listen, I'm not going to let you forget about it because the knowledge of Jesus is precious. He says in the next verse, he says, Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, so he's talking about the fact as long as he's alive, even, I'm sorry, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up to put, I'm going to read that again, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. He says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep reminding you. Not because you don't know, but I'm actually doing this because you do know. Because he knows that it's what happens to all of us. You get numb. You get callous to information. 
You just do. You take it for granted. We believe in a doctrine that sometimes in a cute way is referred to as once saved, always saved. And I do believe the, the underlying premise of that doctrine, I do, that you're not going to lose your salvation. Do you know what happens when you say once saved or think about once saved, always saved? Well, it's certainly a precious promise and you should think about that, should exalt yourself. But you know what that you think about? Check the box, I'm done, I'm moving on. I can't lose it now. It, it, it's, 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 like the, it's like the feller who landed the beauty queen and he says, well, I ain't got to try anything else now. I got it, got what I want. Just don't have to, don't have to, don't have to woo her anymore. I got her. You understand what I'm saying? This is what we do with our salvation. We, get, we sort of take it for granted. Now, don't miss me. You can't do anything to earn it, so I'm not suggesting you do that. But if it matters to you in the same way that it should matter to you in like a relationship and with me and my wife, if, if she matters to me, again, I, I, we've made vows that are supposed to be eternal and all those things, but if she matters to me, not about trying to keep her, it's just because I like her. I should pursue her in the same way as it goes to our salvation. It's not about trying to earn it because you can't. But sometimes you can get that once saved, always saved mentality that says, eh, I'm not going to lose it, so why bother? Sometimes we can get bored with it. Now you say, well, I'd never get bored with my salvation. You're lying. You're lying. How many times have you picked up a songbook? Mark calls out a number. Here's the song to sing. And you're saying, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Are you not thinking about what you said? The, the, the words actually say what you should be saying. It's amazing grace. It's not eh, grace or mm, nor, normal grace. It's amazing grace. It's grace to begin with, which is amazing, but it's a special kind of grace. It's amazing grace. And you're going to sit and sing it like you're about to fall asleep. Now, why is that? Again, I'm sort of fussing at you. I do the same thing. I'm not, I don't want to act like I'm any better than y'all because I'm not. But this is what happens. We get bored with this. Is there not something more? Quit, why is that preacher always talking about grace? I want to talk about something interesting. What do you mean, interesting? That's, that's the essence of who you are. Sometimes we can even have contempt for it. You ever heard that phrase that, uh, uh, that, uh, that, 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 that familiarity can breed contempt? You get so close to something and you're just like, ah, I don't want to deal with that anymore. Why has he got to keep preaching about the gospel? I know Jesus died. I know he raised, rose from the dead. Why in the world we got to hear that again? I know all the gospel stories. I learned all that in Sunday school. Why is he preaching out of Mark again? That, that, that's, I, again, I'm, tell, I'm only reflecting to you the attitudes I sometimes will have. So that's all I can tell you. If y'all don't have them, you know, go on and check the box and move on. But that's what happens. And Peter says, I know that you're going to get callous to this stuff. You're going to get numb to this. So that's why he says in that verse, he says, I want to stir you up. I want to stir you up. That idea of stir you up is this idea of fanning the flame. It makes me think of <laughs> Eli, my son. He's about like I am when it comes to sleeping. When he goes to sleep, sleep and death look like the exact same thing. They're just gone. We're just gone. You can't wake him up for nothing. And he's got this job where he's been working, um, at, I think he goes in at 3 or 3.30 in the morning. I mean, just crazy hour. And he has got this job going in at these hours and getting him awake 
course, I'm not able to do it because I'm dead. Vanessa, poor Vanessa, gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning to make sure he gets out of bed and gets on the job. And I, I, It's nice to have a mama that loves you, I guess. Uh, but anyhow, my point of that, telling you that is trying to wake that boy up is just crazy. You can't do it. But what has to happen is somebody's got to physically go in there and rouse him from sleep, shake him, get him awake. It's time to get up. It's time to go, time to go. And then once that happens, then he can get up and he can go. But that's what happens here. We need that wake-up call, that something to wake us from sleep. We need to get up out of the bed. Another thought that comes to my mind, too, is... Um, I think it's just the way I'm built. I've always been this way. This has nothing to do with my age, although it's getting worse as I get a little older. I, I, am, I have no flexibility. I'm stiff as a board when I sit still for too long, and I'm sitting in a car for even 30 minutes. And I get out of the car, and I about can't stand up straight, so I have to take a minute to kind of flex everything out, and um, it just takes me a minute. But the, the point is, and, and I think all of us, maybe not so quick as I do, but some, all of us, you sit still long enough, it makes you like a little stiff and you want to get... This is the same idea, that we need to loosen those stiff joints. You kind of got to warm it up a little bit, kind of get it going again. He says, I need, you, need to, you need to stir it up, he says. You see, the reason that he says, I'm going to keep reminding you of this is because your senses of Christ get dull sometimes. You need to wake them up. You need to break them alive. Now, what that's going to look like, it can be a variety of things. Let me give you some practical pointers on what that might look like, though. One is, if you don't find, I'm not just talking about preaching here in this pulpit, but maybe there's some other preacher that you like to listen to, go find somebody that you like to listen to. It's on the radio, on a podcast, on the internet, wherever you want to find it, but go find some good preaching. Listen to them. That's, that's helpful. Um, maybe there's a particular Bible teacher that you like to listen to. Maybe that'll help you. Um, you can even pick up the Bible yourself, believe it or not, just in case you didn't know you could do that. You can actually pick up the Bible and you can read it yourself sometime and let the Lord speak to you directly. He's allowed to do that and you're allowed to listen to it. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. We're not Catholics here. We don't, we don't prevent you from doing that. So, um, but, but seriously, you can go do your own study. Read the Bible, sure, let it speak to you. But there's also a study you could do. Get you some study helps, whether it's a study Bible or something else, but dig into the Bible. Do you know good gospel music? And I'm not talking about the style gospel music. I'm talking about music that has the gospel in it of all sorts and styles. Whatever you want to listen to is up to y'all. But something that, that sings of, speaks of Christ, that's actually good to help you in this. Uh, there's also prayer. Did you know that prayer is a good way to do it? You know, one of the best ways in the world that I found to, to learn about a person, like my wife or even one of y'all, you know the best ways I can do that? I can talk to you for a little bit. We just have a conversation. We just learn about each other. We're not trying, to, not trying to get anything over on each other. We're just talking to each other. You learn a lot about each other. Did you know if you talk to Jesus in the same way that you might learn a thing or two about him? You might. You might do it. I would promise you that if you're just... Now, I will tell you, if all you're doing is going with your... You're, you're treating him like Santa Claus, and you're saying, here's what I want for Christmas... You might not learn so much, but if you're just talking to him about what's on you, how do you think about him, what, 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 what the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, because that's what the Holy Spirit will do in that time. He'll bring things to your mind. Uh, if you've read that little book, some of you men got that book we gave away, it said uh, uh, Praying Through the Bible, Praying the Scriptures. That's a great tool, just taking the Bible and letting it speak to your mind and just letting it, whatever that prompts you to pray about, let it talk to you. These are always, and again, this is not a comprehensive list, not trying to give you a comprehensive list, but I'm saying your senses get dull sometimes. So you need some new ways to just 
liven it up, stir it up, kick it alive. And be glad for that divine wake-up call that you get. won't let you sleep because it'll remind you, hey, I need to be looking at the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's what that's about. Now, this last point here, I want you to see this in verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 14. I think that's where I left off. Yeah, verse 14. He says, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle. He's talked about being in this tabernacle. He says, it's going to be soon that I'm going to be putting this off. He's going to die soon is what he's saying. He says, even as our Lord Jesus Christ had shown me, he's thinking about his death. He's thinking about the fact that he will soon be off of this, off this planet. And he's remembering here what Jesus told him. A lot, of, a lot of folks, and I tend to agree with them, a lot of folks think about what Jesus said to Peter in John chapter 21, if you wanted to chase that down and look at that, where Jesus basically predicted that he would die a death, uh, that, that he would die a particular kind of death there. So that, I believe that's the prophecy that he's thinking about. So he said, I'm going to be off this scene soon, but he, so he says in verse 15, moreover, because of that, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He said, I'm going to be off the scene soon. I know I'm, I'm not long for this world. I know that's going to happen. But when I'm gone, I want you to not forget these things. Against all the things we're talking about here, all the things of Christ, the glories of Christ, he wanted to leave behind a godly legacy. He wanted to have his memory bring to mind to these people thoughts of Jesus. He wanted his memory to bring to mind that the Lord has saved them for the purpose of doing good works, Ephesians 2.10. He says, I want, I want my memory to point people to salvation. I mean, wouldn't it be a wonderful legacy that you would leave behind, whether, again, whether it's God forbid we die very soon, or Lord hope it's many years from now when we pass off the scene, but when people think of your name, when they think of your life, it reminds them of Jesus. When they think of who you are, it reminds them of the glories of Christ. That grandma, grandpa, daddy, mama, uncle, aunt, whatever they, however they think of you, whoever you are to them, that they think of that person really draws my attention to the wonders of Jesus Christ, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, if you want that kind of legacy, Peter is illustrating here for us that there's going to be some work that's required right now for us to do. That's what he's saying. He says, listen, I'm I'm going to be off the scene soon, but in order to be prepared for that, I want you to be prepared for that so that my after my decease, these things will always be in your remembrance. So it's going to require us to teach. That's what he's doing, this, really this whole uh, letter. But chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, that's really what he's doing there. He's intensely teaching them about what it means, about who they are in Christ and what all that means and how that should look like in their life. He's teaching them. It's going to also look like you correcting people. I'm not talking about wagging fingers in their face. I am talking about giving them information to help them see right from wrong. That's what Peter's doing in this book in chapter 2. That's what chapter 2 is all about. It's telling them, listen, there's some false teachers you're listening to. Stop listening to them. That's what you're going to have to, you're going to have to be able to have that kind of a life that is teaching people what is right and what is wrong. You're going to have to warn some people. There may be some people in your life that you have been 
too passive in not warning them about the dangers that they are heading down, the dangers of sin, the dangers of living a life without Christ. That's what Peter's doing here in chapter 3. He's warning these people. Of course, it's also going to mean you're going to need to encourage some people. Peter does this in chapter 3, the last few verses of chapter 3. He's encouraging those people. And these are just small examples, but the point is, the bigger point is simply, we can't just live a life and then die and then hope everybody's going to remember Jesus because of us. No, it takes some work. We're going to have to constantly remind them. We're going to have to constantly teach them. We're going to have to constantly encourage them. We're going to have to do that to leave a godly legacy, which I think we want to do, many of us do. It's going to require that you and I spend time meditating on the glories of Christ, stirring up our own souls and stirring up other people around us and pointing people to who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I know that our time, my time on this earth is short. I don't know how short. could be longer. I hope it's a long time, but Lord knows. We don't know. Nobody knows. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next year. We don't know. But as my time on this earth is short, in that short period of time that I have here, I am going to get dull in my senses about what Christ has done for me. And here I have something so precious as the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's done for me. I think all of that, whether, whatever you think of it, it's worth some time spent meditating and contemplating, thanking God for it, sharing it with your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews, and all those this is not time. Sometimes I, I, I will admit to you, I want to be honest, I, sometimes I'll think about this, this time of you know, just meditating on God's Word and what God has done and just thinking about these things. Sometimes because of the busyness of life, it feels like a waste. That's a luxury. That's what, that's what folks who ain't got nothing else to do can do. I want you to know that that's not the way you should think about it. I, I know we're all busy. I, I get that. But this is something that's worth you taking time away from. In fact, can I go ahead and tell you that this is why you were made? Go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were made to know God. And how you know God? You spend some time with him. Now, I, want, I, I, want, I don't want to give you, don't want to set too high a standard here. I'm not saying you have to go and you know, go walk in the woods for 10 hours so that you can know God. That's not what we're talking about here. It can be as simple as five minutes in the morning that you, as you wake up, you just talk to the Lord for a minute, maybe took it, look, at, look at a passage of Scripture or a devotional, maybe it's that. Maybe it's throughout the day as you're doing your work, you can spend some time just talking and thinking with Him. Whatever it is, but, but the point is to turn off some of the things that we have on in our lives and focus in our mind on Him. It's not a waste of time. That's what we're made to do. We need to carve out time to do this. We need to guard it vigorously, and we need to take pleasure in these moments. If you, want to, if you have to think about them as stolen moments, that little time, just like I know some of y'all do this, where you just steal a little time away for yourself, well, quit taking it for yourself and point, it, point your mind to God. If that's what you've got to do, go ahead and do it. Jesus is all the world to me. My life my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. That's who Jesus needs to be to you. We want to encourage one another in these thoughts.
Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.